This is episode 21, Modify, Adapt, Overcome, with Morgan Fiedler. We're going to be talking about applying physical sports therapy to geriatrics, sitting is the new smoking, teaching fitness coaches how to use simple physical therapy tools for their clients, squatting positions, self-maintenance, and helping wounded vets, all on the Health and Wellness Encinitas podcast where we talk the truth about wellness and give you the tools, resources, and access to things that actually work and heal from the wellness mecca of Encinitas, California, and well beyond. Welcome back. This is Lisa Thorpe, and this is Health and Wellness Encinitas. And today, I am uh, so happy to welcome and introduce Morgan Fielder, uh, Doctor of Physical Therapy, who's going to share with us about what she does. Morgan, welcome. Hey. Well, um, I've been a physical therapist for about a decade now, so it's been great being able to help people. Um, I've done you know, treatments for elite athletes and military. And in the last couple of years, I've, I've actually moved into the elderly population. And I really love it because it's kind of slows things down a little bit and makes you realize what's important, especially um, improving people's function so they can be in their own homes. Yeah. So it's very, it sort of breaks your heart, but it also warms your heart a lot too. So. So how did you, what made you decide to become a physical therapist? Um, you know, I've always been an athlete and I recognize like how good that can make you feel and perform just in your entire life. So when I got out of the Navy, it was just like a natural thing for me. You know, how can I help people? How can I be of service? You know, but also like I have such a passion for movement and, you know, just being alive. So I thought it would be a good way to try to, you know, be of service but also like do something that I'm really passionate about. Have you ever needed physical therapy? I did. I had a knee surgery when I was 20, but I don't really remember it. <laughs> did you block it out? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, what what is what was the transition? Oh, there goes the train. We love the train. I love the train too. I don't even hear it anymore. So many times he's like, why don't you mention the train? And I was like, because I didn't even hear it. It's just part of our Lucadia <laughs> life. It is. It is part of our Lucadia life. So getting back to, to your transition from you were working with uh, like athletes mm-hmm. and other, other types of physical therapy. And then what made you decide to start working with the elderly? I had been living in Korea and I was working for the U.S. Army and that was where I worked with athletes and the military. And when I moved back to the United States, I had talked with my best friend from PT school and she had always w- did this kind of work and I always wondered why. And we were just at dinner one night. I'm like, well, you know, why would you, you know, you've got all these skills and, you know, this high speed stuff and working with adults and, you know, why do you why do you choose to do something that seems harder and maybe less fulfilling? And she said, no, it's way, way more fulfilling because you really make such a drastic improvement in someone's life. I think people are used to thinking of physical therapy for post-injury, but you're doing more than that with with geriatrics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Typically what happens is, you know, someone's in the hospital, 
usually with some sort of life-threatening illness or even, you know, fractured hips and, you know, joint replacements. And then they can't function. Like, literally can't go to the bathroom or get out of bed. And I think that they're at a really high risk at that point maybe of giving up or, um, you know, letting this illness like affect the rest of their life. So that's when they come to where I work. And it's our job really to get them moving again. And then hopefully um, most people do go home and then they get back into their regular lives. But it's, you know, it's so complex because you're not just dealing with an injury. You're dealing with their entire life. And physical therapy, it's not just with you. Then people usually get work or like a program that they've got to do on their own as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what's a typical for geriatric and is it the same for for other age people? Um, Yes and no. Like (laughs) I do have some of my elderly people do like PVC snatches and some of my other coworkers think that's kind of crazy. But what is a PVC snatch? So like a PVC pipe obviously doesn't weigh anything, but I'm having them do basically the same kind of movement that Olympic lifters would do. Cool. It is so. Is that like a deadlift? What's it's kind of like basically it's uh, trying to mimic picking something up off the ground and putting it at your chest level with proper posture Mm -hmm. and using the right muscles. So it's very common that people sit all the time, and as you get older, you sit even more. So your whole back of your body just sort of withers away. So what I'm trying to do is re have them relearn how to use all the backside muscles, which is usually pretty much what you do in the gym. So it applies to young people and it also applies to the elderly too. You know, it's just, it's really kind of fun to try to get people to do things that they haven't done in years. (laughs) So, and what's maybe share with us one of the stories of an elderly person that you've helped recently. Oh, sure. Um, well, there was a woman who came and she was, probably in her mid to late 80s, and she was a terror. (laughs) She (laughs) biting and kicking and screaming, and, you know, she had fallen and broken her hip. So um, it kind of, with all the medications and everything, it really set her into a place that wasn't good. She lived with her daughter, and her daughter was very, very frustrated and concerned and kind of frantic about the whole situation because she was afraid that her mom might not make it. She might not ever be able to have the same kind of life again. And after like three months of working with her, the woman who was punching me when I tried to get her out of bed was hugging me and kissing me. And she ended up going home with her daughter and living with her grandson. So it was really, it's a lot of work and I wasn't sure it was going to happen in the beginning, but very, very, very good to see her home and not institutionalized. And it starts with the most basic things, right? I mean, I'm assuming... Getting um, out of bed? Yeah. Sitting? Sitting. And that gets back... So we we had talked uh, before we started the podcast about sitting is the new smoking, right? So what does that mean? Because I've heard that, but what exactly does that mean? With the studies, I think it's been three or four different studies I've seen over the last maybe five to seven years, they're showing that the amount of time spent during the day sitting is an independent risk factor for early mortality, meaning ever all things being equal, if you sit for more than seven hours a day, then you're likely to die earlier than someone who doesn't. <laughs> Quit sitting or you're going to die, <laughs> man. I know. Get up. <laughs> yeah, quite literally, you need to get off your butt. Yeah. Which is 
easy for me. It's hard for me to sit still, but. So explain though, because you were talking about uh, with the elderly, but this is not just the elderly, that if we're sitting all day, literally the back muscles are just. Yeah. So pretty much like your glutes and hamstrings, um, your back muscles, all the core, like all the core muscles, but especially, you know, the one, the little muscles around your spine, they become atrophied, meaning that they, they shrink and they lose their power. And then your trunk muscles aren't able to talk to your hip muscles and your leg muscles. And they kind of, you lose that coordination. And that's been a huge focus for most, most strength and training, strength training programs and physical therapy too. Um, because if you're dominant on one side, and not the other, then you're going to be, your posture is going to be all out of whack. So what is, what is the, the thing to do if you have a desk job? Make yourself a standing workstation. A standing workstation. Absolutely. Or at least one that you can adjust. And those can get kind of expensive if you want a desk that moves up and down. But um, simple things like taking all your phone calls and standing, making sure you take a break every half an hour where you just get up and walk to the other room, maybe stop texting people and actually physically go and talk to them. I mean, any little thing where you're not sedentary is going to help for sure. What about the balls? You see some people sitting on balls yeah. now. Is that is that a better option than a regular? I mean, it's still sitting, but yeah, is it more active? I think it's a little more active because you have to keep your balance on the ball. But what um, you have to be careful of is not rounding your back when you're sitting on the ball. That's what I see for most people doing. Oh, so so then they're in that hunched position. They're on a ball, so they think they're doing good. But then we know it's not good to stay in a you know hunched position all day too. It's all about the posture. I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna go back when you were in the military and mm-hmm. were deciding to go into physical therapy and would you say that there was a pivotal moment that made you decide that this was your track and um a pivotal moment not necessarily but I had I had gotten out of the military and my husband and I moved to Rhode Island and I was probably what 25 24 something like that and I had never had a day without a job I went straight from high school to the Naval Academy I think I had three weeks off between high school and the military. So I was in such a panic to have a job. Like, I have to have a job, right? So I took sort of a corporate sales position, and I did that for a year, and it was so miserable. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that that's how business worked, uh, the sort of lack of integrity and the just this, oh, it was just wretched. I had gotten pregnant and I was taking courses at night because I had to do about 20 credits of prerequisites to get into PT school, but it didn't matter. Like I was working 10 hours a day, going to school for two or three hours at night. And I it was fine with it because then that meant I didn't have to be in corporate America. <laughs> do you feel like you learned anything from corporate America? Um, yeah, I think you can learn something from every experience, yeah. but you know, I number one would say that your work needs to be values-based and not just profit-based. And I think that's what I learned, you know, where I don't fit in. Like, I can't just focus on profit. You're working for an organization. Have you ever mm-hmm. run your own business? Well, we just started, actually. So my husband and I started a company um, to provide training for 
mostly um, physical trainers or other coaches on how to integrate people into their um, into their own programs, but people that maybe aren't the perfect athlete, people that might be obese or injured, disabled, um, you know, really focusing on, you know, for us, veteran, you know, wounded veterans, we really want people to feel like they can go to their neighborhood gym, even if they have a problem with their body. And the best, best way we know how to do it is to get the coaches, you know, trained on how to modify the exercises or use adaptive equipment, you know, simple things, very, very cheap and easy to, to implement. Let the ever average person get all the benefits out of the neighborhood gym. So really, it's like you're teaching fitness coaches mm-hmm. physical therapy skills and tools to help the not average person. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard a stat that only 13% of Americans have a gym membership. That completely blew me away. And we might have a bit of a, a skewed vision here in Encinitas, but that says a lot. You know, only 13% of people actually use fitness. Like, yeah. And even those people, they say like a big box gym, like 24 Hour Fitness or whatnot, they sell nine times as many memberships as the people that actually use them. Right. So of that 13%, how many actually are actively going on a regular basis? Probably not a lot. So I think there's a huge demand for people that they're intimidated. They think that they're fat and so they can't go. Or they've got an injury and it's not for them. But having done physical therapy for years, I know that it's really, really simple to change the exercise or you know, make the person feel comfortable. And then they can do it. And then that's going to go a long way towards helping you know, this obesity crisis we have. Like Our, our healthcare system is... It's overloaded. So, you know, when people take charge of their lives and they take action on their own and they enjoy it, they're more likely to, you know, stay healthy. Right. Do you feel like that's a big helping to overcome the obesity and sedentary lifestyles in the world? Is that like part of your vision and your oh, mission? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um it's really humbling and sad when you you know, as a physical therapist trying to help someone who hasn't moved for 30, 40 years. And they've been sedentary for that long. And now their heart is compromised and they can't get off the toilet. Like, it just makes me sad. And I know that most of it can be prevented if you take action in your adult life, you know, and build up the capacity and the strength to be able to handle the challenges that you're going to have, because we're all going to have challenges as we age. So for people that are at a point where they're they're relatively sedentary and they're struggling just for basic movement, how do they start? Well, they start small attainable goals and with an activity that they will enjoy, something that you don't have to twist their arm to get into. And it doesn't really matter what it is. Like, I don't think it's appropriate for everyone to do CrossFit, for example, or yoga or anything in particular, just as long as they're doing something. Something. Yeah. I mean, even something like quilting, you know, like if they really enjoy quilting. How do you make quilting a physical (gasps) fitness exercise? Put it on the ground. Put it on the ground. So now they have to like squat down, do a semi-lunge get on their hands and knees and basically you know they're going to have to reach across that you know their fabric to to put things in the pattern as they like but what does that look like looks like a a yoga exercise 
The sure. one where you're on hand, like cat cow or, sure. you know, the one where you reach your hand out and the leg out. Like in yoga or Pilates or something, it's very formalized and it feels like exercise. But if it's done in quilting, well, she's doing the same thing, but it's something she enjoys and she's not going to be like, oh, I hate this, this is exercise. Right. Right. And it just takes, you know, some simple creative things like that and maybe a little guidance, you know, but humans crave movement. They really, really do. I think it's often when you're hurt or you think it's not for you. It's more of a uh, mental block. Sure. Range of motion. I mean, physical therapy obviously is so much about range of motion. And I, I feel like anytime someone can be made aware of the importance of maintaining absolutely range of motion, like literally that's, that's your ticket to a happy long life if you can maintain mm-hmm. adequate range of motion. Absolutely. It comes in um, things like you never imagine, uh, you know, like if you don't move your shoulder up, you know, and put your hand over your head occasionally as an adult, like you get to the point where you can't brush your hair or you can't reach around to wipe your own bottom if you don't keep your shoulder range of motion. Right. And that's not very sexy to talk about when you're 30s or 40s or whatnot, but it might be more interesting to, to do an, you know, an exercise program that includes something like that. You know, I know in dance, like they do something called isolations, where you're literally isolating and creating range of motion in every body part. Is there something similar in physical therapy or in the training programs that you offer? Well, absolutely. I mean, we tr- try to incorporate full body compound movements, meaning that we're not just doing like isolated biceps curls, like that doesn't really translate to function. So if you're going to have, you know, we only have so much time in the day. So you want to have the best impact. So if you can use your whole body in functional movements, I think that that's going to be the ticket. And they, you know, include, I mean, the very basic things like squatting, bending over, pick something off the ground, you know, reaching your hands above your head, pull it, like just the basic actions. Like it doesn't really need to be super complicated if you don't want it to be. And if, I mean, really, when we look at third, like third world countries, people spend most of their day in a squatted position, yeah. don't they? Like yes, with their do. feet flat on the ground, yeah. I down know. stretchy ankles and mobile hips. Oh, I, <laughs> uh, quite frequently with physical therapy, it's, you know, you're trying to be very safe and careful and you don't want to in, invoke more pain so we've been taught how to do certain things like a squat but in a kind of a weird way where you don't put as much pressure on the knees but it isn't functional it's like holding onto a wall and sort of squatting backwards you know being very gentle on the knee but it doesn't actually translate to anything in the future so when we were in korea we lived there for three years which was amazing But um, you do a lot of walking there because it's really hard to park and there's, you know, the traffic's crazy anyway. And it's just great. And we would walk by little old ladies that looked like they were about 100 years old. And they would be squatting on the sidewalk, peeling radishes for an hour straight. Right. In a deep squat, completely comfortable doing their work. Right. And I thought, oh, that's not good for you. That's, oh, the pressure on your knees, la, 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 la. But then I thought, wait a second, you're 90, you're out walking around, you're doing work. Like, I think maybe something's wrong in our, like, overly protective sort of medicalized, uh, you know, thought process. And at that point, I started, it took me, like, four years to be able to squat like that. So you, you made it a goal. I did. I did. And it's... And I work with some Asian women now, too, and I'm always jealous because they can just squat right down. I'm like, oh, you know, just the, not having been stuck in a chair for 35 years, you know, like, 
That's and that really is the the equation. Take the chair away, and throughout life, there's this natural squatting position that right. in third world countries is where you're doing yeah. your work, where you're uh, going to the bathroom. They right. get in, you know, the toilet is actually on the ground, right? So they're getting in that natural squatting position, and they never lose it. Yeah, it's this. It's definitely true. If you don't use it, you lose it. And when mm-hmm. it comes to range of motion, so it's just vital not to avoid getting on the floor or doing a deep squat, lifting things above your head. Like I think we get to the, um, you know, the thought that, oh, well, I need to protect myself so I won't get down on the ground or I won't do a a deep squat below parallel. I'm not going to do that. And then you end up not being able to just do a basic movement, like getting out of your chair when you're older. Right. Keep moving. I want to invite anyone that's listening to send in questions, comments. We have a um, email address, feedback at thorpeinstitute.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. We'll definitely have a list of all of the show notes and website addresses for Morgan, her training program and what she does. Uh, But we, of course, would love any feedback. Feedback at thorpeinstitute.com. So I always ask uh, our guests if you were to give one wellness tip, like your number one wellness tip for people, what would it be? Or health tip? Health tip. Um, I would say move often. Move often. Move often. Really, really simple. Don't sit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, got, it's hard to do when you have work and you want to get it done. And, you know, you've got lots of pressure on your life and you need to be here and do this and accomplish and reach your goals Um, So sometimes it gets left by the wayside. So what I've found to be a little bit better of a strategy is to not make it a choice. So, for example, I choose not to drive my children to school, and we live a mile away, and so we have to walk. And if I don't get to the gym or if I don't, you know, I get stressed out, like, at least I know I got that walk Right. In in the morning. You got the movement. Yeah. And it, it's because it's not a choice. If it was a choice, I probably would be lazy and, and yeah. do the easy things. So. Especially when it's like five five more minutes, you're like, oh, five yeah. more minutes just to get. Yeah, exactly. So like everyone has their own situation, but to in- incorporate just the simple things like walking or, you know, maybe sitting on the floor instead of in the chair, like make it so it's not a choice in your daily life. And then you don't even have to you know, at least you know you'll get it. You mentioned tools in physical therapy. Are there tools that you recommend people use? Um, absolutely. Um, being able to target, especially when it comes to pain, um, you have to be able to treat yourself. You know, it's very helpful to go to a practitioner and get help when you need it, but you do need to do self-maintenance in order to tune up your car. You know, it's like, you always have to be doing maintenance. So I like to use uh, foam rollers or um, some kind of balls or whatnot to try to get into the deep tissues and, and mobilize, especially your upper back, because we do everything in front of us. So you, sort of this upper back between the shoulder blade muscles and the spine gets very stiff pretty much on everyone. So using a tool like a foam roller there or lacrosse balls can be really helpful for sort of doing self-maintenance. And if they don't have, so if they don't have a lacrosse ball, I mean, would a tennis ball work? Oh, or? yeah. Like maybe a tennis ball or a lacrosse ball. They, people have businesses where they've made some fancy ball, but it's just really a, some kind of spherical object that's not too hard. 
being able to, to target because you can't get there right. by stretching. And what does that look like? So you're laying down, you've got the ball behind you, and you lay Usually, on the ball. Yeah, or, you're or you stand. Trying to roll on the ball. Oh, on you the, kind of, you against can, the wall. You can do it against the wall to be more gentle. Um, some people really like to, they like a lot of deep pressure. So they'll just lay on the ground and put the balls between their shoulder blades and just sort of roll on it to try to get at those muscles and get them to release. I know, I've done that on the bottom of my feet. Too. Yeah, that's <laughs> a feels, nice place too. Yeah. Very much so. And kind of get the whole body that way. It's amazing how much it helps, and it's so simple. I think it doesn't get as much attention as it deserves because it's not really something a company can profit on. Right. <laughs> Back to that <laughs> profits versus um, making a difference. So what's the future for you? What's, what's your vision? Well, our vision is to grow our company over the next two years, and we want to basically reach as many local um, physical trainers as possible and introduce them to our system for them to you know integrate people into their already existing program and we also want to create a certification so that you know our company is called modify adapt overcome and it's sort of a play off of a funny sort of military phrase from back in the past and I think a lot of veterans would kind of get that and what we want to do is have 100 disabled or wounded veterans be certified in our program and then they can serve as examples as trainers themselves to other people because I think that people who are injured or you know have body mobility problems I think they're going to be inspired by someone who's like them more so than you know super fit you know, athletic person already. Because a lot of times, I mean, I kind of feel the same way too. Like, you get intimidated when everyone looks like a goddess at yoga class. I'm like, well, maybe, you know. But when I see someone who's more like me, then I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this. Particularly somebody who's overcome a a major challenge. Absolutely. It's inspiring and it's motivating. So that's our, our main goal right now is to target wounded veterans. And it's modify, adapt, overcome. Is that your website? Yeah, Modify, adapt, overcome. Yeah. And the certification program, is that how long is it? What do people learn? Well, it would be a half-day or full-day course. We're still sort of developing it. Um, But what we have in mind is that they take the three letters, M-A-O, modify. They're going to learn how to modify exercises. And I think, you know, a lot of trainers know how to do this, but they know how to do it for the average person. And what we want to do is basically educate them that almost, almost everybody can do a squat. We just got to be clever about it, you know, and, and think about it through a different lens. And that's where our expertise comes in. And then adapt. So the A for adapt stands for the adaptations that you might have to make. And I think um, small business owners aren't willing to put a lot of money into some fancy, fancy equipment. And what we want to show them is that there's like really cheap, simple things that you can do to adapt. You know, the use of rubber bands or using straps for your hands for maybe people who don't have hand function. You can do, you know, less than $20, $30 piece of equipment can enable someone to do a squat. And then overcome, the the last part of it, is, you know, you're going to overcome challenges and you're not just going to be their trainer. You're going to help them overcome major life issues. Because we all know, I mean, we're in this industry, so we know how helpful it is to move and, and feel young and, you know, prevent the future problems that happen from a sedentary life. So this trainer, it's going to allow trainers to be, you know, more than just the exercise guy. 
Awesome. And now, nowadays, people don't have to go to their doctor to go to physical therapy. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like they can go direct, and is it covered by insurance? Or it depends on the, on um, first off your state and um, what insurance plan that you do have. Usually, if you need physical therapy and you want to, you know, the best idea would be just call it up and go in. Um, you just ask the front office, and they'll let you know if your insurance is covered or not. And Typically, when people go for physical therapy, I mean, this is not just for injuries. People could possibly go to physical therapy for to get out of a sedentary lifestyle. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times, they might need the someone might need the guidance on how to do it safely. Do it safely so they don't hurt themselves and then end up, you know, back where they already were. And do you feel like uh, you're targeting, in addition to um, veterans? people of a certain age range or other other yeah uh, absolutely I, I think you know you can it's been proven you can build muscle up until the day you die mm-hmm. you know there are certain things that you can't change like your eyesight's probably going to go you're not your speed and your quickness is probably going to slow down but you can always build muscle which is amazing it's a lot easier to do it though when you're 20 30 you know it becomes a little more difficult when you're in your 40s and 50s and 60s and then it gets really hard but it still is possible, even until your 80s and 90s. So, you know, you look around at a regular CrossFit gym, and you don't you see a lot of hot 20-year-olds. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're doing okay. And they probably will, even if they did not not do CrossFit. But what's unique about here in Lucadia, like, there's a 60-year-old woman there who had a hip replacement. And she's in there rocking. She's flipping tires. That's awesome. It is awesome. And I think she's a special person. And her trainer is also exceptional. My hope is to take, you know, all CrossFit gyms or, you know, you know, even the trainers at, you know, big box gyms and say, don't be scared of that person who had a knee replacement last year. Take them on. Have that program for the people that. Yeah. And they might be 56 years old, but they need it. They really, really need it, more so than the 20-year-old who's already fit. Right. You know, and I think sometimes we get that idea, like, we want the super fit, the super athletic, the people who are super motivated. Well, you're, as a trainer, that's not the hard work. You're not going to get that much fulfillment on taking someone like that. Like, But if you can get that 55-year-old that's obese, and you can get them to a point where they're looking good and feeling good and they start to notice like positive changes and then it just sort of snowballs from there. That's a, that's a mark of like a true, you know, and master trainer. And it is about the motivation. How do you, how do you motivate people? Well, I try to see things through their perspective. You know, I can be chipper cheerleader or I can be kind of, oh, commiserate with you or we talk about food or, you know, I try to find something that they are interested in and go with that. That's very personalized. And yeah. food, do you, do you talk about food and nutrition with everyone? Um, not everyone, because some people don't want to hear it. <laughs> they really, really don't want to hear it, and I think that's going to turn them off from anything else that I could offer. No one likes to be preached at, for sure. But um, I do try to find, like, what about food that they love and then gear that discussion into appreciation of food and an enjoyment of food and use it as something that's positive and motivational and then maybe you know 
sort of gear it towards a little bit more of a healthful style and not try to, I don't want to try to fundamentally change the way someone eats because that's not going to happen usually. You're a mom in addition to doing everything else you do. Do you feel like part of what you do influences how you parent? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How does being a physical therapist affect you as a mom? Oh, boy. That's a that's a big question. Um, sometimes I take my daughter with me to work, and she loves it because she gets to play balloon volleyball with grandmas all for all you know hours, and she loves it. But I try to instill in them that it's important for moms to work and help other people, and that it's very fulfilling. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's important. You know, it's important to serve. And you can do that any way you want, but this physical therapy is one way to do that. And then as far as like a physical level, like I I never try to push my kids into sports too early or too young. And I never try to have them do a specific regime, but I know that they see us very active, our, my husband and I, because they'll go with us to the gym and they'll play on the ropes while we're doing our workout. And just that, I think they're going to see over the years, that this is part of your life. Part of your life includes moving. It could be dancing or it could be running. It could be whatever you want, whatever they want, but that it's absolutely essential. And being a physical therapist, I see what happens when you don't move. So I want to instill in them that this is just part of life. Right. Move it or lose it. Yeah. (laughs) But have fun, And it's fun. Yeah, Yeah. and it's fun. And it shouldn't be stressful and demanding, but it should be fun. Well, you are so full of energy. It's it's like obvious... (laughs) How you could help people just simply because you have this really positive, uh, bright energy that you bring. Thank you. So it's Christ. it's such a pleasure having you here. I'm, I feel inspired. I'm ready to get out and add more. I, I got to start walking my kids to school. That's what you've inspired me. Oh. <laughs> no more driving my kids to school. <laughs> well, sometimes it's easier to walk than drive. Honestly, yeah. too though, right? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one I have to drive because she's she's over. Uh, the city away, but well, I am so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Just would encourage people to check out our website and maybe sign up for our newsletter. Um, and just, yeah, move. Awesome. Morgan, thank you so much for being here and thank you to everyone that's listening. This is Lisa Thorpe and we spoke with Morgan Fielder and it's, tell me the name of the company again. Modify, Adapt, Overcome. Modify, Adapt, Overcome. You can do it. You need to do it or it's going to be more difficult later. Thank you, Morgan. This is Lisa Thorpe with Health and Wellness and Sinitas. This show was produced by John Beethan and brought to you by Alkaway.com, the makers of UltraStream, working like nature to filter, alkalize, and naturally energize water, returning it to its natural, pristine state.